said the first New York Derby of the year, and it was one to remember. And up next, we're about to have the first Cascadia Derby of the new season, and it should be just as good. This is the SBI Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivis Kalarsep, and it's another Friday, TGIF, another good week of MLS action ahead. Plenty to talk about. We have Americans abroad to discuss. We have the U.S. national team around the corner. Uh, they'll be ready to play their friendly in a few weeks uh, at Talent Energy Stadium. Uh, we, we won't be digging into that necessarily, but it's something to keep on your calendar. Uh, we've got a few more guests here uh, on the show. We have uh, from the Portland Timbers, Zarek Valentin is joining us to discuss, of course, the Cascadia Derby, Portland and Seattle on Sunday. Should be one to watch. It is one to watch, and it should be one to remember, even with Seattle and some of the problems that they've had, as we saw against Toronto uh, on Wednesday, the Sounders are still a team you have to worry about. We also have from Yahoo Sports. My man, Doug McIntyre, is joining us, and we'll be talking about a, a wide range of topics. Uh, we, we go way back, he and I, and uh, he's definitely one of my best friends in the biz, and uh, it was just great to have him on. He's also, obviously, a, a really good authority on American soccer, and uh, you know he's been out of the loop a bit for, for a while now, but he's back, in, he's back in the game, and we have him on to talk about, uh, about a, a few, few interesting topics that you'll want to listen to. Uh, but first, obviously, we have to jump right in. There's plenty of MLS to talk about. We just had Week 10 action last weekend. Obviously, it's already Friday. This is like almost a week ago. But I'll touch on a few of the kind of the key points from last week. Obviously, you have to get into the New York Derby. New York Red Bulls just tore apart NYCFC. And I'll be the first to admit, I didn't see it coming. Now, I, I like the Red Bulls a lot. I think they're a good team. I think Jesse Marsh has done a great job with that team. But I did not see a 4-0 beatdown against NYC. I did not see NYC completely caving under the pressure of N, uh, of the Red Bulls high press. I got to tell you, I didn't see it, but all credit to Jesse Marsh, all credit to his his entire team, specifically his midfield, Kaku, Tyler Adams, uh, Florian Velo, Sean Davis. I mean, they just ripped NYCFC to shreds. And that doesn't mean NYC is all of a sudden a bad team, and it also doesn't mean the Red Bulls are the best team in the league, but, you know, ultimately that was a matchup of two of the best teams in the league, absolutely, for my money. If you're talking about a top-tier, top five, six teams in the league, those teams are both there, but Patrick Vieira, understandably, was not happy with how that game broke out, broke down. Uh, it was pretty it was pretty uh, hilarious and impressive that after the game he said he wishes he could have subbed uh, he would have subbed 10 players at halftime if he could if he could have and you know what you really couldn't blame him because I mean his team was just outplayed outworked out hustled and and it, you know what credit to the Red Bulls the Red Bulls came to play they were ready and it just shows the quality that they have and I think we really need to start taking that team seriously I mean I think after their Champions League run and coming so close to getting to the final I think they had already kind of deserved some respect there but now that they have Kaku rounding in the form now they have that defense coming together and I gotta tell you you can't say enough about that New York Red Bulls defense I wrote about them uh, in, in my latest MLS rap uh, for goal.com on Monday and this is the best defense that the Red Bulls has ever had. Have ever had uh, the addition of Tim Parker, I think, really was the kind of missing piece for them. Now you've got Kamar Lawrence, Kemar Lawrence, uh, Aaron Long, Tim Parker, and a Michael Murillo. I mean, that back four is absolutely solid. And uh, you know, now that they have that kind of dependable defense, 
You look at that midfield and what they can do, and obviously Bradley Ray Phillips with the goals, they are going to be a handful. And they, I mean, they'll be a handful against anybody. And I really am looking forward to seeing that Red Bulls team go up against some of these other powerhouses in the league, like in Atlanta United, like a TFC, because you know what? They're going to they're gonna give those teams all they can handle, uh, and it's going to be fun to watch, no question about it. In terms of other games from last week, uh, you definitely want to look at Montreal beating New England 4-2. And Remy Gard, i got to give him credit. He called his team out. His team responded. They put up the big win against the New England team that had gotten off uh, to a good start to the season. So, uh, you know, if you're Montreal, if you're Remy Gard, you have to be feeling pretty good that maybe you got through to some of those players and maybe we'll see them. They'll bounce back. Obviously, they they turned around and lost uh, to the Chicago Fire on Wednesday. But still, I still think that win against New England is something that if Montreal is going to do anything with this season, I think that was the result to build on. Another one is Minnesota United beating Vancouver 1-0. A man down. Red card to Mason Toy. Mason, Jersey boy, red card, ma- uh, card magnet toy uh, with the elbow on, on, on Kendall Waston. And I got to tell you. Uh, if there's a player that most people would not mess around necessarily mess around with and, and and try to get you know mixed up with, it'd be Kendall Watson. He'd probably be pretty high up on most people's list. Mason Toy didn't care, man. Mason, Mason Toy was like, "Get off me! I'm gonna show you! I'm gonna show you the North Jersey elbow." He gave me elbow, got the red card, and you know what? Minnesota held on. But uh, Bobby Shuttleworth. Big game, Miguel Ibarra with the goal, and Minnesota, man, they're an interesting one. Obviously, they, too, went on to lose in midweek on Wednesday. There was a busy slate uh, of games uh, this this midweek, but still, that was an impressive win for me. For Minnesota, a team that, you know what, they, they, they still, obviously, they could use more firepower overall. They've been decimated by injuries when you look at, Ke- you know, Kevin Molino. Ethan Finley, now Christian Ramirez is sideline. So it's just been tough for them. But you know what? Adrian, he still gets results. He still gets wins. Um, it's an interesting one with them because, you know what? They 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 kind of they go back and forth. You know, they'll have these games, and they'll have the, the within games where they'll be just awful in the first half, better in the second half. Consistency is something that's really plagued Minnesota. But you know what? I like some of the things I see from Adrian Heath and what he's doing, especially given, uh, you know, the, 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 the issues they've had to deal with, especially with injuries and that sort of thing. Now, moving over to the midweek action, uh, we obviously can't talk about every game because it's just like 15 games between last weekend and Wednesday. Uh, but we obviously have to talk about some of the bigger games. Uh, at the top, we have Sporting Kansas City going to Atlanta, beating Atlanta United 2-0. Obviously, a lot of controversy in this game. You had the Brad Guzan red card, which was absolutely deserved red card. Uh, you had Joseph Martinez with a goal that was disallowed. He was ruled offside, even though... Uh, the goal came courtesy of a ball uh, that Jimmy Madronda uh, hit toward Martinez uh, off of a pass from uh, an Atlanta player. I think it was Miguel Almiron. Uh, but you know what? There's not a lot of controversy there because when it comes down to it, uh, by as, as most people understand the rule, if, an attack, if a defender makes a play on a ball and that ball then goes to a off, an offside attacking player, the offside attacking player no longer is offside and mark geiger this uh he looked at it he did checked it out on var and ultimately he determined that that jimmy madronda did not make an intentional play of the ball and it was more of a case of uh you know i guess in geiger's mind madronda did not intend to to send it where he sent it he stuck his foot out to get in the way 
but he did not control the ball. I guess that's the deter. I guess that's a determination. Uh, it's so subjective, you know. It's a subjective rule. There's still wiggle room there. For me, I don't think. I think the rule should just make the player offside regardless. Because you know what? I, I don't think a player should be rewarded for being offside. I think if you're offside, you're offside. That's it. There's none of this other stuff. But the way the rule is written. There's, subje- there, there's kind of some gray area there. So Atlanta fans were obviously upset about, you're talking about a six-minute goal. Now, if that goal is counted, you're talking about an entirely different type of game. Brad Guzan maybe doesn't go in kamikaze-style studs up to try to take out uh, Kyrie Shelton, um, which was a little surprised that he that he you know felt so threatened to go out of the area to stop Kyrie Shelton. I mean, look, stay on, stay on your line. Let Kyrie Shelton get the ball. Let him take a shot. His, his, his scoring rate, his goal, his shot conversion rate isn't among the highest in the league, Brad Guzan. You should know that. You should have stayed on your line. But you know what? He lost it a little bit there, got the red card, and credit to Sporting Kansas City. You know, they uh, they took advantage of the man advantage, and uh, they made Atlanta pay for it a little bit. Atlanta United's a tricky one because they're so good. They're so dangerous. And it, it for me, it looked like before the red card, it looked like Atlanta was definitely going to break through there, even with Kansas City and their good defense. I think Atlanta is just so dynamic. Almiron, Barco, uh, Joseph Martinez, I mean, I just think they just overwhelm people. And they were. I think they were on their way to doing that. The red card obviously changed things. Atlanta's not a team... That can they're not necessarily equipped to play a man down because I don't think they can shift gears and and kind of slow things down and take the air out of the ball and kind of keep possession to try to you know whittle down the clock when you're when you're a man down they they know one way they're they can they're you know they can play at the high gear they can play in fifth gear and just destroy people but once they have to get into those lower gears and slow things down that's where they struggle a bit uh, and you know what credit to Sporting Kansas City because they did what they had to do with Team Melia. How about Team Melia? You know, he won he won goalkeeper of the year last year and fully deserved. He had an unbelievable year. And you know what? He showed on Wednesday that that, that last year was not a fluke. He's that good a goalkeeper. Uh, made some monster saves. The saves on the Kevin Kratz free kicks. I mean, come on. Kevin Kratz free kicks are absolutely dangerous. He hit two really good ones. And and what? And Tim Melia stopped them both. So, Credit to Melia, credit to Sporting Kansas City. They now have the most points in MLS, and they've been doing it with Felipe Gutierrez uh, out for, I guess, you know, it feels like a month now. Uh, Definitely several weeks, and you know what? Credit to Peter Vermees and the job that he's doing there. And also credit to Peter Vermees. Congrats to him. He gets the new contract five-year extension, which is definitely the longest uh, contract I think a coach has ever gotten in MLS contract extension. Absolutely. And you know what? He's earned it. He's definitely... uh, He's put another winner out there, and that Kansas City team. Listen, folks, I wrote about that game. I wrote about Kansas City, and in my in my goal.com story on it, I made the point that as good as they've been, as as many points as they've already racked up. Think about this: they haven't had Gutierrez, and they still are going to go get another forward. They're going to get a big money forward. So right now, they've been starting Kyrie Shelton. Right, he is not going to be their starter come the summer. Come the summer, they're going to go get, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to go get, you know, Wayne Rooney or necessarily Fernando Torres, but they are going to spend money on a forward that can make an impact, uh, make a big difference for them. You put And so if you put a forward on that team, wow. I'll tell you what, folks, they are looking pretty good to be one of the absolute top contenders to make it into the MLS Cup final and maybe even win it.
Next match on Wednesday, we absolutely have to talk about Seattle going up to Toronto, beating Toronto FC. No Clint Dempsey, no Nicholas Ladero, who has a broken toe. No problem. Will Bruin steps up, goal and an assist, and, and Seattle gets the win, 2-1. to one. Uh, credit to credit to Brian Schmetzer. Obviously, they've been they, they've been going through so much uh, this early in the season, just not getting the results, not playing the, uh, to the level that that you expect them to play. Also dealing with injuries. To be fair, uh, you know they they've had a lot of injuries that they've had to go through, and they've also not gone and filled some of these roles, the, these spots on the roster with the designated player signings. Uh, you know, it looks like they're obviously at this point they're going to go go for some some big additions in the summer. But right now they're a shorthanded team, and you know for them to go get that win in Toronto, uh, you definitely start to wonder what's going on with Toronto, right? They dropped the points against Chicago in a game they they definitely should have won, and now they in this game where you know what for stretches they dominated they dominated Seattle. They look like the better team. They look like you know what they should be able to win that game, but they didn't do it. And I think they definitely. I miss, they miss Josie Altador. Uh, for you know, I think uh, you know he's obviously out now. He had foot surgery. Uh, he's going to be out four to six weeks, and they're going to miss him. They miss him. You know, I, like I think Sebastian Javinko. Obviously, he's an amazing player. He can do so many things on his own. But I think Joe. People don't realize the what Josie Altador's presence can do for an attack for his teammates because he holds up the ball. He can pass the ball. He can combine. And, uh, you know, I don't, he just, he, he, I know so many, I know there's definitely that se- section of, of fans out there who can't stand him, who think he's overrated, overpaid, he's no good, he's trash, blah, blah, blah. Listen, the guy just won MLS Cup last year. He was a huge factor in that run. He was a huge factor in their run to the CONCACAF Champions League final. Uh, he's been doing the business, folks. So even those of you who are diehard card carrying Josie Altidore haters, Get, you know what? The guy gets the job. He's been getting the job done. He didn't get it done in Trinidad, as I know some folks will point out. But you know what? For his club team, he's been he's been outstanding, and I think they're going to miss him. They're going to miss him for these these four to six weeks. But again, credit to Seattle. You leave Clint Dempsey home. You don't have Ladero, and you get three points ahead of the big derby coming up, week eleven. The headliner, Seattle Sounders at the Portland Timbers. Huge match to headline the next week uh, of MLS action this weekend, and yeah, obviously we obviously have to talk about that. We're going to kick things off we with our first guest on the show, uh, Portland Timbers defender and longtime friend of SBI, Zarek Valentin. Uh, I've been tracking Zarek Valentin since the college days at Akron, uh, and it's just been great to see him kind of just develop and evolve through his career. and And he's already had such a long career, and he's still only 26 years old. Which is, which is definitely a little mind boggling. It was surprising to me when I, I was check uh, checking up on his on his bio and his stats and everything, just getting ready for the interview. But you know what? We have him on. We're lucky enough to have him from Portland. Zarek Valentin, how you doing today? Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So I'm sure you just watched. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you watch or not, but a little scouting ahead, watching Seattle Toronto game. That's a big win for Seattle. Obviously, they get the two one in Toronto. Uh, Darby's coming up this week. Uh, tell me a little bit about just Darby week and, and just kind of the excitement building up to that game. Cause obviously it's not just another game. Oh no. Listen, as much as they try to, you know, coaches and players and everyone go, you know, we ought to focus one game at a time and, you know, we got to take it game by game. This game is different. And 
everyone will tell you that. And especially the feeling around the city and around the stadium and things like that. There's just this, this, you know, the Seattle Portland rivalry in the air. And um, it's something you look forward to, obviously playing at home. Uh, this year we get them twice at home as opposed to last year we had to go away twice. So these games are special and um, they're, they're the best games to be a part of. And it's going to be a good one. Um, obviously, you know, Seattle hasn't started off the season super hot, but got a good result tonight in Toronto um, without some of their better players. So um, clearly they've shown that they got some depth and can, and can be uh, can be a good team away from home. This is the kind of series that even when one team or another is struggling, it still ends up being a crazy match. So I, I take it no one's kind of looking, you know, looking past them or taking them, for, taking them for granted, because obviously, as they showed tonight, winning in Toronto, they're still pretty, they're still very much a dangerous team. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I think they I think they've gotten the majority of their points away from home, if I'm not actually mistaken. So um, that uh, that in itself, you know, makes us weary. And at the end of the day, when you're playing in a derby, everything goes out the window. It doesn't matter who's hot, who's, you know, hasn't won a game in so many uh, in so many matches. Uh, everything's completely up for grabs. And, you know, people look to build off these results, whether it's a win, whether it's uh you know, just a good performance teams want to build off these things. And obviously if you can get a, a win against a, a team, you know, close in the standings, a local match at home, you know, that can really help propel you into a good run of form. And, um, you know, hopefully we can go out there and perform well. We've been on a decent run, but uh, like I said, everything goes out the window. Our last three games completely gone because this is going to be different. Like I said, this is a, uh, this is the big one. Well, it's, as far as you guys go, obviously, uh, you start the year with a five-game road trip, which, which is always kind of a weird thing. Uh, you didn't get any wins on that, but but you know you were you were in some games. You had some good performances, maybe some breakdowns late, but then things now the results are starting to turn around. What's been the biggest kind of difference, or what what changed uh, from that that the rough start to now? Was it as simple as just being home, or what, what do you think changed? Um, I think in the, in the last few games, I think it um, you know personally on a personal level, playing next to to Riggi, um, has brought a lot of life into, into the squad defensively. Um, having obviously a leader come back in uh, and communicate and provide that to the team is, is a big boost. And um, ultimately, you know, we, we perform quite well at home. And uh, obviously I'm not going to look past some of the results away. I think we should have won in Chicago and in Orlando if we're going to be critical. Up, in, up 2-0 in Orlando in the 80, 81st minute. Unacceptable to get anything besides a win. Um, so ultimately just kind of building on results and, and, you know, just learning to grind through some of those moments. And sometimes it's not pretty late in games, but you know, points are points. So we can't be too picky about that. And it's just a matter of growing as a team and in getting that collective group fight defensively. And then I think we have some, some pretty special, uh, pieces in the attack to help us get goals when we need to. Now you're a guy who's obviously, you know, been known for his versatility throughout his, his career. And we saw you a lot at right back last year. This year, we've seen you a lot at left back. What, what, is it tough to kind of bounce around positions or are you at a, are you kind of at a point in your career where you know all the, all the positions you can play, you know them well enough that you can kind of transition pretty easily? Um, I think uh, initially it was a little bit difficult. Um, when I first got to Portland, um, you know, I played the majority of my games at left back actually. And through that process, I was able to kind of learn a lot of the intricacies and ways in which, you know, I can play the game at a decently high level. And, um, you know, over the course of that, it's allowed me to kind of, you know, learn on the job a little bit. And now I think, you know, I've gotten to the point where I know, you know, if I, they put me in a left back, right back, even center back at times, you know, kind of how to go about my business and, you know, to perform in a way that uh, I'm comfortable with and also a way that can help the team out. 
Sorry about that. <clears throat> I'll edit that out. I just uh, I just had you no on mute. No I just had you on mute for a little bit here. Um, yeah, no worries. So, so we talked about it a little uh, before we started recording about the fact that people might it might surprise some people. I know it surprised me when I ch- when I checked, but you're you're still only twenty six years old. It feels like you've been in the league like twelve years. I feel like you should be in your thirties, even though you're, <laughs> even though you're clearly young young at heart. But uh, you know, <laughs> it, it's easy to forget that you were a teenager when you turned pro. Uh, and now mm-hmm. we're seeing that a lot more and more. You kind of got you. You're kind. You're definitely ahead of the curve on that. And and and, and how is that to be kind of that old twenty six year old? Um, I enjoy, I really enjoy the role because you can kind of get along well with the young guys, you know, personality wise, but also still have the experience of some some of the older guys. And you know, as we chatted about earlier, I think hopefully the way I came out of college and the way I started my career becomes the new norm. And, you know, that I came out as a young 19 year old and obviously, um, you know, now I've played eight years and I'm only 26. So, um, you know, things like that are, are hopefully going to be the new norm and that we can start a lot of these, uh, young Americans at, at a younger age so that, you know, if they do go through the learning process, they do so at 16, 17, 18, so that when they're 19 and 20, you know, they've worked out a lot of the, you know, the, the younger kinks that they might have in their game. And then ultimately if they're playing at a high level and starting games at 20 and 21, then they're going to be, you know, set for the national team. And that'll ultimately have a bigger effect in that aspect. So hopefully that becomes a new norm and, and, and the homegrown program is a huge start to that. And, um, you know, it's just great to kind of see the trending of players being younger and getting earlier chances and coaches saying, you know, what, we're going to pride ourselves in, you know, developing some of the youth, because I think that's the way that, um, you know, the U S as, as a country can grow in terms of, uh, you know, just improving our overall level of, of, of soccer on the pitch. Right. For sure. I mean, obviously when you look at a, you know, the teenager, everybody knows and talks about Christian Pulisic. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I'm surprised you haven't taken credit yet for his, his, his development being that you were that first star from central Pennsylvania. And, and then he came along, I guess he's, what is he like 30 minutes from you uh, in Hershey's not too far from, from where from well, your home. Well, I haven't taken credit on your show yet, but if <laughs> okay. we're going to, if we're going to okay. speak about that now, I can, now I can get there, but I think it would be Andrew Wenger and I would probably, uh, yeah, that's you know, right. co-do that. We, uh, we were um, playing, under uh steve klein who was the coach that you see a lot in the documentaries you know kind of grew up with christian and stuff like that but um no christian's uh he's in a different he's in a different level than us man we're no we are no stars compared to him he's uh i mean i saw he was one of the six or seven players in in germany that started over 20 games under the age of 20 and the two of them were american i think it was weston and him so he's in a whole different world but you know regardless to be someone you know even my brother played in the league when minimum was twelve thousand dollars and you know all these things are different you know there's a lot of pride in kind of helping set the stage for some of the younger generations and if it's you know, Andrew Wenger and I are playing on farms in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. To them, when <laughs> us we left, they developed those pitches to produce players like Christian, and that's great. You know, so you know we, we take a lot of pride in Lancaster. Just uh, you know, with our soccer, there's a there's a pretty decent community, and the, the level is a lot better than most people give it credit for, just because Philadelphia is so close. But um, he grew up in Hershey, um, obviously Hershey's chocolate. So that was a uh, 30 minutes down the road, and you know we played for the same club team. And you know, there's been a few players come out of PA Classics. Uh, Russell Canals, Travis Wara, me and Wanger, uh, you know, Christian. So there's been a, a decent set of uh, pros that have come out there. And, you know, I think there's definitely going to be more to come because, you know, ultimately if players can't make the union team, then they're probably going to, you know, result to playing for the surrounding teams in Pennsylvania. So hopefully that trend keeps going upwards. And, you know, it's just nice to to have someone like Christian uh, be, a, be a pioneer for uh, southeast uh, Pennsylvania. 
I was waiting for the story of a seven-year-old Christian Pulisic nutmegging you. Uh, I guess that didn't happen. I guess you, you got lucky. You got lucky. You I'm sure there. it did. Listen, I'm sure it did, <laughs> but we're not going to talk about that. How's that sound? You know? Right. All right. Uh, fair enough. Keep that. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep that. that. Under yeah. the rug. We'll keep that in the vault. We'll keep that in the vault. So, so obviously, <laughs> exactly. for those who, for 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 the for the younger younger fans of MLS and and those who may not remember the early days or your early days, so you came into the league with Chivas USA, <clears throat> and I can tell you, just watching tonight, I was watching Atlanta Sporting Kansas City. You had a matchup of two former Chivas USA goalkeepers between Brad Guzan and Timelia. Mm-hmm. Is it kind of like a fraternity? Mm-hmm. If you put time in at least a season with Chivas USA, it's like a fraternity, and and all you guys have like a, you know, that bond of just having gone through that whole situation. Oh, yeah. The funny thing is, like, when you're in it, it was like, oh, man, I'm playing for Chivas, right? Like, it was one of those things where, like, you were like, oh, geez, like, obviously the situation wasn't the greatest. But then, in retrospect, looking back, it's kind of like this, like, retro jersey that my friends rock, you know, the red and white stripes with the corona across the front, where it's, like, kind of, like, funny. And then you have these this bond of, like, you know, playing in... I guess it, I, I always called Home Depot Center playing in StubHub Center, you know, you know, obviously in the Classico against the Galaxy and things like that, um, you know, just, you know, going through the ups and downs of whatever came with Chivas. So, you know, to share some of those stories is always fun to look back on. And ultimately, it makes you happy to see the way that the league has grown. But, you know, some of my favorite parts about playing for Chivas was we we would travel and nobody knew what Chivas was. Nobody. So I had to describe it in one of basically the way I described it was we are the Clippers of Los Angeles. Like everyone (laughs) knows the Lakers. Everyone knew the Lakers. Everyone knows the galaxy Beckham's there. It's great. And then I would say, we're the Clippers. And they go, so you guys are a professional team. And I would say, yes, we are a professional team. Like I do this for a living. And then they would say, like, do you get paid? And I'm saying, well, you know what? This conversation is going a lot further than me kicking the ball for a living. Like that's a different story, but ultimately it was always just, you know, this kind of like this funny, you know, this enigma of what was Chivas USA. It was either that or they thought we worked for Corona and we were Corona sponsorship sponsored uh, people travel in the country to promote the, the, the company just because they were across all of our polos and jerseys, which wouldn't have been a bad job either. But regardless, I think it's okay that we're kicking a soccer ball around. Right, right. So, and so, so let me ask you, I mean, now that <clears throat> here we are all these years later, and I know when Chivas was in, in the league, some people thought, oh, you can't have two teams in L.A., and that's why it didn't work. But obviously now we're seeing LAFC, and, and LAFC just finished winning their game uh, Wednesday night, beating Minnesota United. I mean, you look at the new stadium, you look at the team they've already put together, and the fans that they've already drawn. I mean, it seems like it seems like they're doing okay. It seems like they they, they figured out the formula. Mm-hmm. I, I think the te- the new teams that are coming to the league are, are setting the standard for the way things should should be handled. And obviously Atlanta, they did that. They came in and, Oh man, we averaged 75,000. Oh man, we had 65,000 in a game. It was a, it was a tough night. You know what I mean? Like if that's the, that's the standard that we have in the league, then that's, that's, that's amazing. So, you know, LAFC came in and obviously with all their owners and the Will Ferrell's everywhere and their brand new stadium, at the end of the day, they're getting results. They played six games away and they had four wins. So they're actually, they're a good team. And obviously the fans and everything comes with that, but ultimately what matters most to them is the results on the pitch and they're getting those. And Bob has put together a great team. And obviously Thorington and those guys have obviously done an incredible job with the facilities and everything like that. But what's nice is it also makes the level of the league grow higher. You know, we got a brand new training facility. It's absolutely gorgeous, you know, and we essentially were catching back up to some of those teams. And now 
we're either on par or above some of those teams. And it's, it's things like that that are consistently growing the league that we need more of. And ultimately, you know, any team that comes in the league will now be judged literally next to LAFC and Atlanta, which are some of the teams that are setting the bar in a lot of different ways. Um, obviously, being in Portland, I'm a little bit biased towards our fan base. But if you look at the MLS poll, I think it was uh, we were second, if not first, in the, the, the most fun away trip for teams to play. So obviously, if teams want to come here and play, imagine the players who actually play here game in and game out. So as much as I want to praise them, I got to give love to my hometown where you get 21,000 a game and people still want to play here over Seattle, which gets 45,000 and which other teams get a lot more fans than us. People still want to play in our 21,000 seat stadium, which is getting an expansion. Sorry. I had to plug that in. A little humble brag, a little humble brag. <laughs> well, well, it's funny you mentioned that. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because for me, Portland, it, as far as in the league, it, it, as far as the experience, uh, I, I, I've been telling this for pe- people this for years that it's just, even though it's not the biggest, even though there are stadiums that have twice as many fans, it's just the, I don't know, it's something about the atmosphere that, that's very unique and, and you can definitely make the argument it's the best atmosphere in the league. And obviously we have, you know, some some teams coming in Atlanta with the 75,000 and, and and all that, but I still think Portland, uh, they, I still think they set the standard just in terms of atmosphere, just in terms of really feeling the game when you're at the game and and you feeling like the whole crowd there knows every single everything that's going on and, and it's just great it's just a great atmosphere but as far as the team itself obviously there was a big shake up this last offseason Caleb Porter stepped down as coach uh you're obviously your longtime coach that you had a lot of history with and now Giovanni Savrici's come in a guy who I've known for a long time uh, a great coach who obviously got off to a rough start but now we're seeing the results what what, it, what would you say if you're trying to explain it to someone what what's kind of the, the big, the biggest difference between Caleb and Gio, and and what what do you like about Gio as a coach? Um, well, well, first off, I'll say that um, the the one thing I tweeted about, and someone asked me like, oh man, like new head coach, like what are your thoughts? And at that time, it was it was pretty fresh in everyone's mind. But I came in, and the only thing I said about the whole situation was, if we sign a coach and bring in a coach that has as much passion as Caleb, that's the perfect place to start. And I'll tell you what, Gio has as much passion, if not more passion than Caleb. He is, wears his heart on his sleeve. He is a student of the game and the whole entire staff loves the sport and loves putting us in a position to get some results. So it, it's been an incredible change. Um, obviously, you know, bringing in a coach, a, a bilingual coach really ties together the locker room. For me, that would be one of the bigger things is just not necessarily that Caleb had a bad locker room. It's just having a coach that speaks multiple languages. Obviously you can communicate with other players a little bit easier than in English, if that makes any sense. So Gio has just been a very welcome change. And obviously it's going to be tough coming into a new team, you know, having basically from January 23rd to March 3rd, which is essentially five, six weeks, maybe to to get a team with a lot of new players, put them together and then go on a five game road trip. That's hard, but kudos to them. We should have gotten two wins. If if we're a, a solid team and, you know, Tell me this. I bet you now we go back and get those results, but we should have gotten two wins on the road being up two one in, in Chicago in the 85th minute and being up two zero in the 81st minute in Orlando. So the coaching staff has put us in all these positions and ultimately they've adapted extremely well, but as players, you know, we have to take a lot of that onus on ourselves and Gio and his staff and Carlos and memo and everyone that's come in, it's just been very welcomed. And obviously uh, it, it makes it a little bit easier for the fans to, to get on board when, when the results start coming and um, you know, as, as I would say, being a 
I would say outside Philadelphian because I, I can't say Philadelphian, but trust the process. And, you know, obviously, you know, Merritt and those guys brought them in for a reason. And, you know, I think they're starting to, they're starting to, and the fans are starting to see exactly why, um, you know, they, they picked Gio over a lot of, a lot of other candidates. Right, right. Well, obviously, you guys are coming off the win in San Jose. Big road win. Obviously, everyone's pretty happy about that, especially to grab it late. Now, I'm sure you enjoyed it. You were happy. But, you know, the end was a little bittersweet for you, for those who missed it. Uh, Zarek apparently got injured on the celebration. Uh, you got a cut in your forehead. <laughs> Things got a little too rough there. What, what happened? Please explain this to me. And, 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 and you know, are you, are you okay now? I'm good. Uh, I'm good. My stereo strips came off. Um, but, uh, I, I guess a good way to describe it was we had film today and of course, of course the staff couldn't just let it <laughs> stay in the past. We had to bring it up. So we looked at it and they said after VAR, it was deemed a little bit reckless by Andres Flores on our team <laughs> who came in really excited off the bench, probably within three minutes we scored. So he sprinted over, jumped into the pile. I was there third because it was a set piece. Of course. His stomach smashes against the back of my head. I headbutt Diego, who just scored, by the way. I instantly look at my hand, and there's a lot of blood. And I'm not talking just a normal, but there's a lot of blood. And so I kind of like, oh, geez, I got to go down. So I go down, and like everyone's like, what the heck just happened? So I look at my hands, and they're full of blood. Fans are booing all this stuff. So eventually I, I pop back up, and I show the fans all the blood on my hands. And I'm like, like guys, like I'm not someone who fakes injuries. <laughs> like This is real. Right, right. Immediately the fans kind of shut up a little bit. But – it was a little bit fun being there first because, like I said, usually I'm an outside back, so I have to run all the way to a corner to get there. But, you know, like I said, ultimately we got three points. I'll take a little bit of a bump. Maybe should have gotten stitches, but, you know, it, it'll be – it's a great story. Well, maybe not. I try to. <laughs> I got to try to play it up a little bit more to make myself look a little bit tougher. But um, I'm happy well, that uh, – like I'm happy hmm? – well, better you than Diego, to be fair. Because if Diego Valeri Let, bleeds, he, a lot of people are going to cry. It's going to be sad. Fans can't handle him bleeding. I mean, you, you don't you don't touch the <laughs> franchise. I, I talked to our training staff about getting him a red jersey so he can go through training basically with a penny on so no one goes even into tackles. No one even thinks about it. I've seen guys pull out of tackles and let Diego kick them and go into things as opposed to touching him. So ultimately, better me than Diego. Yeah, man. Hey, you got the when you have the MVP trophy uh, in your collection, uh, you know. There you go. Listen, so you, you don't you don't touch the MVP. The MVP does whatever he wants, and then you figure it out later. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Appreciate the time for sure. And I mean, we could we could have you on forever because yeah, there's so many stories that, <laughs> that that you could share. I mean, your time in Norway. I mean, this guy's had a, a heck of a career, and he's 26 years old. I gotta say, man, I thought you were like 29, 30 to be completely honest. But well, again, I well, I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank well, you, you very much. You, you, Thanks you, for you, having you, me too. I appreciate it. Hey, you've always, you've always been mature. I still remember. I remember your rookie year at Chivas. You being already with the with the fashion, well dressed. Uh, you had your stuff. You had your act together <laughs> from day one. I think it's because of your brother. I think your brother taught you. I think Julian. Julian you helped, well. but I've also I've been really lucky, and um, I've been really lucky to have a lot of older players to to kind of uh, mentor me a little bit on and off the field. You know, guys like Jimmy Conrad, guys like Keith Pierce. Ante Yazik, Dan Kennedy, a lot of these guys that are older veterans, even, you know, Simon Elliott played in the Prem. A lot of these guys, my rookie year checked me when I needed to be checked. Alejandro Moreno was a big brother to me when I was at nice. Chivas. So, you know, these guys, you know, really were the old, the old guard of the MLS and they went about things a little bit differently. So, you know, I had a lot of help from those guys and, you know, to be someone who kind of a, like we, we talked about someone who's a young vet in a sense, you know, to, to I, I take that 
very seriously. And I love grabbing some of the young guys when they need it and kicking them in the butt when they need it as well. So like I said, I've been lucky to have some of these guys by my side and, you know, we've been friends for years now. So thanks a lot for having me. Well, great, man. And I tell you what, we, we have a bit of a track record with the SBI shows. Our guests have a pretty good goal scoring rate. So if you get a goal, <laughs> if you get a goal in, in the Derby, just spread the word, let everybody know. And then we'll have to get you back on at some point, obviously. So you mean, you mean next week? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You just keep coming on. Sure. We're doing keep it going. We'll talk later. We'll talk Norway. We can talk whatever else. Great. That definitely. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, hey, appreciate Perfect. the time and definitely right. good luck this weekend. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That's Eric Valentin of the Portland Timbers joining us, and uh, it's so great to to catch up with him. And uh, I got to say, it was a little surreal watching that game last week and seeing him uh, get injured in the celebration. Uh, you don't really see that too often, but you know what? It's good to see that he's he's okay, he's recovered, he's ready to go, and he'll definitely have a big part to play in uh, in the derby against Seattle, playing uh, playing out most likely at left back for for G- Giovanni Savarisi and the Timbers, who who have Ivana been a nice run now, and they're heading into that uh, heading heading into that derby with some momentum. And uh, unfortunately, it's so it's at 4 p.m. on Sunday. It's one of the marquee matchups in a, in what's actually a really stacked Sunday. Uh, of MLS matches. Unfortunately, I will not be uh, watching those matches live because I'll be at a wedding. Uh, my main man, Avi Creditor uh, from Sports Illustrated, SBI alumnus, is, is tying the knot this weekend. Congrats to him. Uh, it should be a great time. I'll be at his wedding on Sunday. Uh, it should be a good one. And uh, you know what? Uh, mazel tov to him uh, and his bride to be soon to be bride to be. Uh, hopefully, we have a pretty good time out there and uh, out there in Maryland this week. And uh, and speaking of uh, other old friends of mine, we have another uh, SB a friend of SBI, a longtime friend of mine, uh, and one of the best in the business uh, for my money. And I tell you what, folks, in my business, in in the American soccer writing business, you have people who are not necessarily good writers and not necessarily good people. You have people who are good writers, but not good people. You have people who are good people, but not necessarily good writers. And then you have some people who are good people and good writers. And my man, Doug McIntyre, is one of those people. Good writer, great writer and great person and we have him on the show he's come out of his hiatus uh he spent a big part of the past year uh you know on the sidelines uh now he's back and he's with yahoo sports and he's ready to do his thing he's already jumped back into the fray as one of the top writers in american soccer and he's joining us to talk to 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 discuss a few of the bigger topics uh in, in making the rounds in american soccer i had to get him on i had to hit him up about a few a few subjects that i'm sure people want to hear about uh so doug mcintyre welcome to the sbi show how are you doing today i'm doing good pal how are you i'm good i'm good man it's it's great to have you on and uh Obviously, we've never had you on before, I don't think, because uh, I think, you know, in your previous employer, it was a little tricky. We couldn't pull it off. But now now we got you on. We have we, we can we can discuss some things. I'm sure you're chopping at the bit to start, you know, letting people know about these opinions of yours again. So we got, we got a few topics we're going to line up here. But if one thing I definitely want to ask you is you obviously uh, were away from the beat for a while. Uh what was the story that 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 was the toughest to not be able to write about when, during the past year? Was there, if you could go back in time and you could kind of you know report on something, what would it be? I don't know. Did anything big happen in American <laughs> soccer over the last year, Ivis? Is there, uh, is there, is there any story know. at all that maybe I would have missed? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, watching the the U.S. not qualify for the World Cup um, from my couch uh, was it was hard to watch. It was a bit surreal. I mean, obviously, um, I would love to have have been there to cover that story. Um, and it was, yeah, it was very, very strange. I mean, this, you know, I never, ever for the last maybe five, six, seven years, you know, watched a national team game uh, and didn't work it. And that's either at, you know, either being at the stadium. Uh, and of course we've, you know, we've gone around the world covering, covering this team, uh, whether it was, you know, the world cup in Brazil matches that they played, you know, all over the place. Um, and if, you know, in the event I wasn't at a game, I was certainly watching it on TV and writing off of it. So to just sort of sit there and kind of watch as, uh, as a lot of other Americans did that night. And, you know, obviously at the beginning of that day, thinking that uh, they, they were very likely to go through, I thought the, the game that I sort of had some question marks about was the Panama match. And once they came out in that game and, and, and throttled Panama a few days earlier, um, I thought that they were well on their way. So to see everything unfold and the way it sort of did in real time where, you know, even though it was a, not a good performance by the U.S., still looked like they were going to get through and then it all fell apart in the last few minutes there and the way it did, um, I just, you know, I thought it was uh, it was, it was pretty incredible to watch. Um, and, again, surreal. I mean, you see, you see the own goal that goes in off Gonzalez, and right then I knew that they were in big trouble. When something like that happens, you just, you know, it's – it was going to be a tough road back. Um, and then, you know, the second half, Pulisic scores. You think think things are, are going to be different maybe, and they would uh, they would pull it out, and then they didn't. So, uh, yeah, just a very numb feeling and very strange not to not to be involved in, uh, in reporting that story. I mean, obviously the biggest story in American soccer in an awful long time. Yeah, no, I mean, that was definitely a surreal moment, and my apologies to – all listeners for for taking you back in time to that uh, i'm sure a lot of people are being triggered right now by just the negative feelings just surrounding uh that whole incident and even for me right now i'm feeling like i'm back in in, in tobago and, and and just the just the surrealness of the whole thing man it's totally crazy so i mean i feel you like I, I was glad i was there but at the same time i felt like i didn't want to be there it, it was it was it was a weird it was a weird event, a weird moment. Uh, you know, one of the topics we definitely have to talk about. Speaking of people who continue to talk about what happened and who probably should stop talking about what happened, is Bruce Arena, and you know the the former U.S. national team coach. Uh, obviously, people ask him his opinion all the time. He's not afraid to share it. He's written a book now. He's obviously pushing the book. He's trying to sell uh, sell the book and obviously he's come out recently and talked about how there needs to be all sorts of changes in leadership and it's just i don't know for me i feel like he really should just stop talking uh it's just not like he i mean it's i don't know he he was talking like a month after the whole thing happened he was on tv he shouldn't have been on tv and now he's back just saying more and more and i don't know man i feel like he should i don't know maybe it's just me i feel like he would just stop talking yeah, I mean it's a tricky thing. Obviously, the, the the decision to write the book, you know, came uh, a long time ago when the U.S. thought that they were going to the World Cup. So uh, they don't make it. The book is, I'm sure, almost completely written at that point. Uh, I'm sure, uh, you know, while U.S. fans were crying in their beers that night, Bruce's publishers were wondering how we, you know, what are we going uh, to do to to have this book come out? Is it still going to come out? So obviously. 
you know, they, they went back and, and Bruce, you know, was able to talk about the, the qualifying failure, a different story than they thought they were going to tell. And so he's in a weird position, right? He's got to plug the book. He, he has to. And I'm not surprised so much, Ivis, that he's talking now, um, you know, because now it's, it's May. The World Cup is, is coming. We can feel it. You know, the excitement is building. I, I'm excited for it. Um, so I'm not surprised people would want to have Bruce's opinion would want to hear Bruce's opinion now. The fact that he's talking now doesn't bother me that much. But yeah, I thought it was a terrible. And it's funny, I, I like accidentally uh, started the the Portugal game on. I had it, you know, in my in my uh, you know recorded you know shows um, the the game in Portugal back in November, the national team's first game after the qualifying <laughs> right, failure. Right. One of the first things you see, it's, it's you know you go in the Fox uh, you know Fox broadcast. You got Rob Stone, you got Alexi Lassen sitting between them is Bruce Arena. Way and it was soon. a terrible look. It was I mean, way I too soon. Way yeah, too soon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just awful. So I don't know if, you know, I mean, I, I would think that if he mentioned he was doing that to his agent, his, you know, or anyone, his agent would have said, yeah, don't do it. So His agent, yeah, is, like, I'm pretty sure his agent sh- uh, should have told him not to do it uh, and just put the kibosh on it. But who knows? You know, at the end of the day, Bruce Arena is his own man, and, you know, he's going to make his own decisions on that. And look, to be fair to Bruce, and, I, and I've always respected Bruce, I've always liked Bruce, it's not like we, we don't, you know, it's not like he shouldn't be able to express his opinions on anything. I just think he should maybe stop talking about that, that qualifying failure. You know, like give it a little, give it, give it a year. I mean, if he wants to talk about the World Cup, if he wants to talk about, you know, who he likes in the World Cup, or if he wants to talk about young players that he likes, let, let's do that. I just, you know, the whole spreading blame stuff, it's like, man, you were there. You were involved. You were part of the reason the team did not qualify, so you probably shouldn't talk about it yet. Give it a couple years. Just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just me. Maybe I'm just being sensitive. I know U.S. fans feel that way in general. Yeah. But yeah. uh, you know what? He's got he's a, he's always been a, he's always been a guy with strong strong opinions, strong personalities. I'll tell you one thing. I wish he would talk about is the whole situation with Jeff Cameron because he's let I think personally that he's let Jeff Cameron off the hook by not getting into real details about everything that went down with Jeff Cameron, giving Jeff Cameron kind of carte blanche to to give his side of things, as we saw in the New York Times article where Cameron yeah. came out and said all the things that he said. Um, I mean, I feel there's two sides to that story, and I don't think we've seen, we've heard both sides. And for whatever reason, Bruce Arena, of all in all of all times, to bite his tongue on something, he's been. I think feel like he's been his tongue on that situation. All right. So, do you want Bruce to stop talking, or do you want Bruce to start talking about about Jeff Cameron? That which one is is it? I, I want him. I would have wanted him to address that before he goes on his whole bl- his whole blame blaming everyone else spree. I mean, I just it, it, like there was an opportunity there, and I feel like he missed it to talk about it. Now, now it's too late. Now it's too late. Jeff Cameron has won that battle because everyone has heard his comments on it, his thoughts on it. Everyone. Agrees with Bruce or uh, agrees with Cameron and, and assumes that his whole side is the full picture. So at this point, we'll never really know on because even if, if Bruce Arena comes out now and says it, people aren't going to believe it. But whatever. I just I don't know, man. I just don't want to hear it from him for a while. But you know what? It is what it is. He has a book to sell. Moving on. Speaking of other Italian Americans from New York, I had to, I have to get your opinion on Rocco Camiso, the New York Cosmos owner who has just, just gotten tangled up in this whole kind of battle with U.S. soccer over sanctioning and over, over trying to rebuild the NASL. He's come out with this $500 million proposal uh, to, to, to relaunch NASL, and he has all these stipulations 
I, I, it's just a whole weird deal for me. Like, I, I don't like I just like on one hand, are there valid points to be made? Yes. But I just feel like it's all a little suspect to me. What, what, what do you what's your take on that whole situation? Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, he's obviously he's an interesting guy um, with an interesting background. He's been very successful. He's very rich. Um, and he's the sort of guy I think American soccer would, you know, would want to embrace in a lot of ways. Um, the, the thing that sort of rubs me about, and I, listen, I've never met Rock. I've never spoken to him, uh, you know, so I don't, I don't pretend to know him personally at all. But what it seems like from the outside, to me at least, is uh, his approach is, you know, he's, he's obviously bombastic. Um, he, he doesn't seem to have much of a filter. And I think that his approach is wrong. I mean, I think if you genuinely want to work – uh, with, with with other groups in this country, other stakeholders in the sport to grow the sport, uh, you know some of the rhetoric is just is just. I mean, it's 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 hard to know how serious uh, you know he is about working with some of the other groups uh, in, in the country, whether that's the federation. Obviously, you know it, the idea. I think on on from his point of view is he wants to create a league that will compete with MLS. Um, you know, so it, it's. It's interesting, but you know some of the personal attacks. I mean, he come out look, reading this, you know, his quotes in the Guardian, and uh, you know, if he well, that's he where can, that's where yeah, it feels a bit like a publicity stunt, right? Because if he was just kind of straightforward and said, "Listen, this is what we propose. This is what we think could work. This is why we think." you know, we think that this project could work, then you know what people would think, I think would take it more seriously. But then when he adds on top of that, well, you know, there's all this corruption, there's all this and that. And, and it's like you're, you're, you're slamming the very people you're sitting there trying to work with. Uh, people who, by the way, you have standing lawsuits against. And it's just, I don't know, man, it all feels a little like a publicity stunt. I feel like this whole $500 million offer is more of just an opportunity to grandstand and try to make the very people he's suing look bad when they don't jump on what it looks really on the surface like a, a, a an empty offer, and it looks like it, for me it looks like an empty offer and a publicity stunt. Um, other people might disagree. It's tough to say. And again, like if you read his story, his backstory, his history, he's got a great story. I mean, the guy is a success. He's a self-made man. He's not a guy who was you know inherited millions. He's a guy who made you know he's a I think he's a billionaire. So he's obviously a smart guy. But he's definitely coming off like the rich guy who doesn't want to have to play by other people's rules. He's the he, yeah. he thinks he can just kind of, you know, bulldoze his way in and make things work. Uh, I feel like if if he would like, I agree with you. If he would stop with the personal attacks and they could find some common ground, I mean, I think they should be able to make something work. Um, but yeah. the way things are going, I don't. I just don't see them, uh, you know, come re- reaching out eye on this. No, I don't. And anytime you engage in litigation, I mean that—that's not a good way to, to you know, to, to work with 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 another group. I mean, obviously, when you do that, um, you know, people stop talking to each other and they let the lawyers handle it. And that was that was Rocco's decision to go that way. So, yeah, I, I think I'm in agreement with you there. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully he backs off on some of these demands um, because you know what, and that's what I'll say. And, and I, I feel like, I don't know if I've said this before. Like I, I think, look, American soccer needs the NESL for me, in my opinion, the NESL, the way it used to be as a second division, a strong second division, stronger second division that paid, you know, paid solid salaries that actually had some very good talent. No knock on the USL. I think the USL has done some great things, but when you look at 
what it's becoming. It's coming. It's becoming very much kind of a developmental league and not its self-standing professional league. It's very much a, a league of young players, a league of, of, of small salaries, very much akin to like a double A, maybe, you know, triple A in, in baseball. But, you know, now you're seeing a whole generation of, of American players, uh, older American players, 26 and up, who, who are having to make a decision now whether to keep playing or or playing for what are are not not competitive yeah. salaries. So that for me, <clears throat> when I look at that, it makes me say, you know what, the NASL we, the league, we need the NASL to be a functioning entity the way it was working before. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if it's going to ever happen again. Just because I just don't see, I don't see Camiso being enough just by himself to make it all happen. And between him and and obviously the, the Miami FC ownership, they, they, they've been, uh, Ricardo Silva, both those guys have definitely been trying to wage war against MLS, feeling like MLS is, is corrupt and, 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 everything's wrong, and everything that is wrong with American soccer. And it's like, I don't know, man, like you, you guys need to work with American soccer and, and try to find some common ground because I think we need it. We need NASL. We need a league like NASL because I don't know if USL is going to develop into the league that we need to be as a second division. So we'll see. We'll see. But, uh, yeah. you know, another topic we have to talk about, we have to obviously get into MLS. Uh, and the big rumor in MLS this week has been Wayne Rooney uh, being linked to DC United. There's all kinds of reports now saying that he's agreed to a deal in principle. And obviously now now that, that that's, you know, kind of in the frame, you're getting all sorts of opinions about is it a good deal? Is it not a good deal? Is it, you know, is it getting back to the retirement league uh, reputation kind of thing? So what do you think about Wayne Rooney? Do you like the idea of Wayne Rooney coming to MLS? Do you think it's maybe a step back in terms of the, the tar- type of target player that, that the league is going after? Do you like this deal or don't you? Well, before we get into Wayne Rooney, let's, let's, I just want to say one thing quickly about the NASL. I would love to see the, the, NA, the NASL return to the fore. And I would love to see $500 million be invested in that league. I agree that uh, you know soccer in America is better for having a strong NASL, and I, you know, so I would like to see you know that that ten year plan put in place and see what they can do. I'd like to see it. I don't know if it happens. I, I certainly don't know that the U.S. Soccer Federation is going to agree to some of the conditions of that deal that that Rock has put forward. But uh, I, I hope they find a way to make it happen. Just don't know if uh, if they'll be able to get it done. As for Wayne Rooney, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting, isn't it? I'll tell you one thing. I haven't watched a lot of DC United games over the last number of years. They they haven't been a compelling team uh, to watch. And if you had to look at you know on any given weekend how many MLS games you're, you're going to pick, chances are you're not picking a DC United game. But if Wayne Rooney's on that team, I'm certainly going to watch because I want to know what happens. And you know he he's a guy I still think. I still think he can score goals in this league, and I, I just think it's going to be fascinating to watch him, you know, deal with some of the refereeing decisions that get made. I'm sure there'll, you know, there'll be some red cards in there if it happens. Um, and and you know, I understand why DC United would want to make this move. Clearly, Wayne Rooney's not the player he used to be. Clearly, they're spending an awful. If the reports are accurate, 16, 17 million dollars somewhere in that range. Um, and I think that's just for transfer fee. I don't even know that that includes his salary. Um, and I know we're going to talk about salaries, uh, MLS salaries in a bit, so we can talk about that that then. But, uh, you know, they have a new stadium to open, and I think that, you know, they want a guy with name recognition, and 
there's not too many guys in the world that casual soccer fans know that are available. I mean, how many people are we talking about? Uh, Zlatan is definitely one. He's not available anymore. He's, he's in L.A. now. How many other guys are there? There's, you know, Mario Balotelli's a guy that was rumored to potentially be a target uh, for, for D.C. You know, if they could get him, then I, I think that's a great signing. But if they can't, who else is there? I don't know that Fernando Torres can sell more tickets in D.C. than, than Wayne Rooney can. I think he probably can't. So, you know, there has to be a balance between, uh, you know, the soccer side and, you know, the buzz side, the marketing side, the entertainment side. And, you know, D.C. is not in a position like Atlanta United was where they have a, you know, they have a young roster. They have all these young guys that can build slowly. Clearly want to make a splash right away. And the only way to do that short term is to get somebody that people have heard of. And people have certainly heard of Wayne Rooney. So, you know, I I look at it that way. And and if he does come to the league, um, I don't know how he's going to do. I think I think he could do well, um, but it's certainly going to be great theater. And I'm going to be be very eager to watch uh, how he does in the league if he comes. Right. Well, I mean, for me personally, I don't, I, I don't mind him coming to the league. I think he actually will, could do very well, even though he didn't show a ton in his move to Everton after, you know, obviously he had his moments uh, in the first half of, of the year. Um, so definitely, you know, flashes of the greatness that, that we remember from him. The, I think the real question if anyone has, or the question like for me is, you know, how much is he going to cost? And as far right. as as far as the figures that have been reported, as far as who I've the people that I've talked to, it doesn't sound like those figures are necessarily accurate. And I don't think it's going to be a transfer fee. If, uh, that that's not transfer money. I don't think those figures are tra- even those figures are transfer money. I think it's going to be either salary and some combination of sa- some ca- some combination of salary and transfer fee, or just salary and a free transfer. Right now, if Everton, you know Everton, I don't think they're gonna you know, they're gonna cry if they can you know get him off of their books because things haven't quite worked out in his return to Everton. But if you're DC United, I get it that your owners have money. I get it that your owners have a need for a big star to make a big splash. And the track record of forwards of star forwards coming to MLS very good. You look at all the you know whether Strogba, Robbie Keane, uh, Terry Henry. Uh, forwards generally are, are a safer investment, right? Star forwards are generally a safer investment. So I think he would deliver. The question is, you don't want to be overpaying for the guy at his age. You don't want to be putting seven million down a year or more than that a year on on him at his age. I don't. I just. I just think that would be silly. Obviously, if a rich guy wants to spend the money. Yeah, who's to, who's to stop him? But I think it definitely kind of sets a bad precedent in the league. It kind of it, from that standpoint, the, the league takes a step back when you're paying a guy who's clearly past his best and who, you know, no one else is going to, you know, necessarily, other than China, is going to pay him that amount. So that's where it's a little tricky. Um, But, like, I agree with you, man. They need something. They they got that new stadium coming in. As a team, they're still a bit of – they're still a mess. They're still a mess. Forward is their most pressing need, so he would definitely fit right in there. So we'll see, man. We'll see what his salary ends up being. Uh, the, The teams that I spoke to, I spoke to a few teams a year ago, uh, just kind of to get a sense of what teams would be willing to pay for a Wayne Rooney. And the numbers that I was told by some general managers w- was more in a $3 million to $4 million a year range, and that's without a transfer. So I think if if a, if DC ends up paying double that and paying a fee, then it's kind of like, wow, what's going on, guys? Like, I get it. You know, don't turn this into Brewster's Millions uh, for the older listeners out there where you just have money to burn and you just feel like you have to spend it. Uh, you know, you, you want to get Wayne Rooney, but you also don't want to, you know, Go over, go overboard with it. Um, 
Speaking of salaries, uh, perfect timing. The MLS salaries are out, and it, and it, it's kind of interesting that the MLS salaries come out right as all this Wayne Rooney talks going on. I have a feeling the union did that one on purpose once they started seeing the Wayne Rooney, uh, you know, the the transfer figures or whatever. Um, and Kaká has retired, and he was the highest paid player for four years in a row. I think it was in his contract. He had to be the highest paid player. He is gone. Sebastian Jovinko is now the highest paid player in the league, which is fitting because he is arguably the best player in the league. Um, I know you haven't had a chance to peruse all of the all of the the numbers. Neither have I. I mean, you know, other than, unless you're an accountant, it's going to take a while to look through it all. But what are your initial impressions? Yeah, I mean, to to go back to Rooney and his salary. I mean, you know, are they really is the, is the league going to be able to get him? DC United going to be able to get him for three, four million a year when Bastian Schweinsteiger's now making six. Over six million a year. Vela's making over six million. Carlos Vela at LAFC making over six million. You know, it's that's on came from one and a half. Yeah, well, although, there you although go. who knows you know, if that's I, all the money? But I said this earlier on Twitter. You know, uh, that that's true, but LA also sells itself. I mean, there, there's a, there's a discount there. I don't think Zlatan was going to DC for one point five million a year. So well, you, uh, know you know what? Listen, Wayne Rooney, I'm pretty I think sure. Is gonna yeah, I'm pretty sure Wayne Rooney knows that they're Nando's in DC, so I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's a selling point. That's a pretty strong selling point for him to come here for less money. Yeah, and it's not in many U.S. cities, so uh, you know, make him feel uh, feel a bit a bit more at home. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's always interesting. It's always it's always an interesting day when the salaries to come out. And you, you sort of you know, like you said, it came out about you know three hours before you know three hours ago. Uh, so certainly takes some some time to sift through. Um, everything, but I think, I mean, overall, the, one of the things that stood out to me is uh, a, a couple of American guys um, that, that have moved up over that million-dollar threshold, and I think that's a really positive sign going forward. You have Dom Dwyer, uh, he's now making over a million dollars a year, and Sasha Question as well, uh, you know, two guys that down with, uh, with Orlando City, and I, I think that's, I mean, I think that's a positive sign. You know, three or four years ago, players like that I don't think it would have been making that sort of cash, though. Um, that, that's certainly a positive trend, and, and, and overall we're seeing salaries go up across the board. And, you know, people talk a lot about, you know, the quality of play in the league and what, what can be done to make the quality better and, and what's required. And, and there's all sorts of theories, you know, whether it's, you know, academies, promotion, relegation, whatever it is. The bottom line is you get what you pay for. And the more you spend on salaries – the better the better players you're going to get, the better quality product you're going to have on the field. And every year on this day, we see that the salaries are going up, and I think that that's a good thing. And, and you know, as, close, as, as MLS continues to close the gap with some of the better leagues in the world, I was talking to a, a coach uh, just last week um, saying that, you know, now MLS can actually uh, compete on even terms with leagues like the Dutch League, like the Belgian League, for players, and I don't know that I don't know that fans realize how how important that is, and how quickly that that's going to help the quality of play in the league go up. Everyone wants to be the Premier League. Everyone wants to be, you know, La Liga and the Bundesliga and the top top paying leagues in the world. We're an awful long way away from that. But I think you know, getting to the level of some of those uh, those those good European leagues that are just outside the top four or five. Uh, you know that's 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 a great thing, and that bodes well for the future of MLS. Right, and and when you look at the list, uh, what what really is striking is the number of millionaire million dollar players that there are now. I mean, it definitely doubled. I think it's twenty five more now. 
uh, than it was. And obviously, that's an advent that that's a product of the targeted allocation money that's been in, been been poured into the league. And yeah. now you have a case where you know teams basically any you know any team that has the money and that has the motivation to have million dollar players i think you can have somewhere like 6 to 8 you know 8 million eight, 6 to 8 million dollar players and that's that's the big difference right cuz before it used to be you know mls their top two or three players could be on par with the liga mekis team but it's when you get to, when you get the players 4 through 10 where the Mexican, the top Mexican teams just dominated, and they just had more firepower. And now you're seeing teams close that gap. You're seeing teams like a team like the Toronto FC, uh, with the depth that they have, and the, obviously we saw with the run that they made to the Concacaf Champions League final. Um, you're seeing teams like New York City FC now building, being able to build build depth. Even an LAFC now in their expansion season, putting together the type of team they're putting together with with all with all those resources. So it's great to see the depth is definitely a big difference in 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 the improving depth is what's really going to uh quietly improve the overall quality of the league and 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 it might not be so glaring that you have you know every team with two superstar forwards up top and that sort of thing but once you start seeing upgrades defensively upgrades in the midfield uh now you're seeing the league actually pay for defenders where in the past <clears throat> you wouldn't see uh defenders making more than half a million now that now it's more common to see that even though some teams are better than others at at spending that money wisely uh <clears throat> cough la galaxy um but you know what it's great to see now that you can go to you know the, t- the leagues in europe and bring over quality defenders. So that, that's great to see. Uh, you know, sorry to pick on the LA Galaxy, but I did tweet about that, about how the fact that they have three of the top 21 highest paid defenders in the league, and that defense looks like no, nothing like uh, the best defen- defense in the league. But you know what? Some teams are better at it than others. That That's true. And, uh, you know, speaking of the Galaxy, I think there's only four teams in the league out of 23 that uh, that have allowed more goals than the LA Galaxy this year. So, you know, maybe you don't always get what you pay for, actually. Yeah, we'll, we'll see, man. I mean, Siggy Schmidt's got his work cut out. Getting Zlatan in obviously was huge for them, but, not, you know, they've been struggling. They've been struggling since, and they're a weird, they're, they are a weirdly constructed team. They're, they're like a, it's more, it's almost built more like a fantasy team than, than a proper soccer team, you know, in terms of just, they've got work, they've got a lot of work to do. Obviously, last year was such a disaster for them. <clears throat> and it's tough when you, when you make bad. The thing about MLS is, if you make a bad signing, and you put and you you sign a bad contract on a player, who 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 costs you money and it's multiple years, that that's if you do that enough, it's so tough to overcome. And that's where a team like you know LAFC coming in year one clean slate, they're almost at an advantage over you know they have that advantage over a team like LA Galaxy because they don't have dead money on their books they don't have a Jao Pedro sitting around who clearly was just just not a good pickup but they still have to pay him so that that's where that's where the tricky thing is if you if you're a front office if you're a team that can build a roster avoid the dead money avoid the you know Euro Mafsisian type signings where he's one you know he's one like the, the 13th highest paid player in the league and RSL has pretty much unloaded him to MLS now I mean, if you can avoid those, you can build yourself a strong team. Look at TFC. Look at what LAFC is doing. Look at Atlanta United, NYCFC. But it's great to see more and more teams taking full advantage of the salary cap. Unlike the Galaxy. They're still paying the price for some bad ro- roster construction that happened last season. And obviously, Pete Bahanas paid the price, uh, you know, getting moved out of 
at his position there, still still with the club, but you know, not not calling the shots as well. But yeah, I mean, I, I look at Chris Chris Klein with LA, and and you know, you, you have to wonder, uh, you know, if if, if uh, you know he's done a great job uh, building that roster, and and they certainly you know deserve a lot of credit for bringing in Zlatan, but. Um, yeah, there's some there's some structural issues with that club that I don't know are, are going to be resolved that easily. Um, and it's interesting seeing Zlatan starting to get frustrated. Uh, you can see it almost you know week to week. It was all smiles at first, obviously the first game. Um, you know, but you know the, the last couple of games he hasn't looked like a happy camper. So uh, you know something to keep an eye on there in LA as well. Now something I would definitely wanted to ask before I let you go. Totally not soccer related, but what music have you been listening to? So for folks who are listening, like Doug is Doug, like myself, we're hip hop heads. So Doug's the hip hop head. So I'm curious if he what he's listening to these days. I'm pretty sure he's not listening to the little whatevers. <laughs> the uh, you know I won't name any any artists, but you know we, we know who they are. We know the SoundCloud rappers that are out there. But who who are you listening to these days? It's funny. I've sort of been on an old school, an old school kick. So I'm, I'm curious what the, uh, the intro to this, uh, this edition of the SBI podcast is going to be. I don't, I don't know if, uh, you know, we can talk offline. Maybe I can give you some, uh, some recommendations. But yeah, uh, man, yeah, I, haven't, but, I haven't picked it yet, so maybe you can. Maybe you can pick the, uh, pick the intro uh, song. Yeah, but you know, listen to a lot of the old stuff. I, I don't know if it's the spring weather that's, uh, you know, that's finally, that's finally here. Um, you know, making me. Uh, nostalgic for my for my youth, but uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's um, you know that's that's what what I've been playing. Uh, I've been playing a lot of it over the last year, but le- a little bit less time for listening to music now that I'm back on the beat. So yeah, man, uh, you're back to work. You're back at it. Well, I was listening to Big Pun, uh, Capital Punishment the other day. It was it, it it was actually the 20 year anniversary of that of that album. It's crazy that it's been 20 years. I mean, we're I, I mean I'm an, you're not as old as me. You're not. I wouldn't call you old. I would call myself old. But it's crazy, man. That that big pun, capital punishment, one of the best hip hop albums of all time, is, is been out twenty years. Twenty years. That's crazy. But you can still listen to it. You can still <clears throat> put it on in the car. And even like I, I played it for my son, my fourteen year old kid. Uh, and he, you know what? He he was feeling it. And he's picky, man. He's picky with his music. He is not into the. You know, he's not into the little pumps. He's not into the little yachts. He he like he he's 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 old school. He actually likes old school hip hop. So, uh, interestingly enough, but uh, but yeah, man. So yeah. I tell you what, yeah. a, a, an album that isn't hip hop, but I think you might like. Then again, you might not. Post Malone's album is pretty good. It's more of an R and B album than a hip hop album. But it's, I, I, it's been on it's been on rotation for me along with the J Cole album for like the last two weeks. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. And and one word on uh, on capital punishment. That to me is the the most under underrated and underappreciated hip hop album of all time. I mean, uh, for for the younger listeners out there that don't know, Big Big Pun died at a, at a young age. Um, I don't know that that was the only album he ever put out, but certainly the most famous one. Um, but he's not talked about in the same breath as as guys like uh, Notorious B.I.G. and uh, and he should be, in my opinion. Uh, he, he's if you listen to some of the Wordplay and lyrics, uh, he's fantastic. By the way, is this a music podcast or a soccer podcast? Uh, we got to mix it up a little bit, you know, because I think I feel like people want to, you know, people want to know a little more about about the people on the show. And I, and and it, what's interesting, the other day, someone on Twitter mentioned, I guess they saw that I'm a hip hop guy, and they were like surprised that I'm a hip hop guy. And I'm like, really? Like, I, it's a well known thing that I'm a hip hop guy. <clears throat> so uh, having you on here, it made me realize, like, you know what? I wonder if people even realize or know. That you're into hip hop, so uh, you know I, I thought I, th- I think people would be interested in that. But uh, but I agree with you on Big Pun, man. One of the greatest rappers of all time, 
And a guy who I was lucky enough to meet, actually, back, we're talking 1996, before he blew up at my college, we had Fat Joe perform. I was I was uh, I was uh, head of the or the Lat- the organization for Latino Unity at Ramapo College. We had ra- we had Fat Joe perform, and he came up with his crew. He came twenty deep, and one and 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 Big Pun was one of was one of those guys, and he had such a charisma about him. Even though at that point he still hadn't like you know blown up yet, he had, he hadn't become the star that he would become. But you just kind of knew just being around him and talking to him like this guy, man, like this. Number one, he, you know, you knew he, you know, he could handle his business if if anything broke out, you know, he he could throw it out. But he had a charisma about him, and and he, as far as just rappers go, one of it just just pure talent wise, it's 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 really sad that he did pass away young because, I mean, if he had been able to put you know three or four albums, five albums together, there's no question he would kind of be in that Mount Rushmore of best rappers of all time. But uh. We can we can we can get you on next time and talk a little more hip hop. But I, I just wanted to give people a glimpse of your of your uh, <clears throat> even though you didn't name any artists uh, of your of your hip hop tastes. Well, I don't want to I don't want to offend anybody. Obviously, you know? I don't <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> it's all right. Doug's a New Yorker, by the way. For those who didn't know, he's a New Yorker. He's he's, that, he's old school hip hop. We, we go way back to the Metro Stars beat uh, circa fifteen plus years ago. So he's been doing it yeah. for a while. Yeah, it's actually uh, for, for the listeners out there. Uh, I met you my first day on the beat back in 2002. So wow. um, we go we go back an awful long way. Um, yeah, so it's uh, I'm glad we're both still doing our thing here. Yeah, man, definitely glad to have you back, man. No no question about it. But uh, thanks for coming on, and we'll definitely get you on again soon. All right, man. Anytime. Again, that's Doug McIntyre over at Yahoo Sports. You can check him out uh, at Yahoo Sports, uh, but only after you've obviously read all my stuff on Gold.com at least two or three times. Then you can go check him out. Uh, but great great stuff as always. Uh, definitely one of the top guys, and you definitely want to get back to reading him because I'm sure you read him before he, he took uh, the hiatus that he took, but he's back now ready to rock. Uh, we have a lot to, still to get to, and obviously the show is already running a little long, so we're going to have the speed round here to wrap things up a bit, uh, just to go through week 11 real quick. The schedule, Vancouver versus Houston, uh, two teams that have been really struggling for consistency lately. The Whitecaps, that was an ugly loss for them in Minnesota. Up a man, you got to win. Uh, and now they're going up against the Houston team that, you know what, is definitely tricky uh, in terms of with the attacking weapons that they have. So, uh, But Vancouver's at home, they should win. Minnesota at home against San Jose. The Earthquakes have been, for me, maybe the worst team in the league. Them and D.C. are definitely in that lower tier category of the worst teams in the league. Uh, Minnesota at home, they're a handful. They obviously showed last week uh, a man down, 10 men. They still win. Uh, I'm going to go Minnesota again. I think they're going to win again. Montreal, Philadelphia, obviously the impact with Ignacio Piatti, the things that he's been doing, he's been unbelievable, especially at home. Uh, the Chicago give credit to the Chicago Fire. They were able to shut them down. They were they were able to shut Piatti down. Uh, the rookie Mo Adams, a, a player who's really coming along, big time prospect out of Syracuse, really showing his quality. Uh, maybe the Union can look at that video of that of how the Fire shut down Piatti. Maybe they can figure out a way to do that as well. Maybe they put Bedoya on him. Whatever the case may be, Philly needs to do something because they're really struggling for results. 
They had a couple of decent results at the start of the year. There was some optimism, but the optimism has faded quickly. So Jim Kurt needs a result. They need a result in Montreal. Uh, and it's not going to be easy to get it, I'll be completely honest with you. FC Dallas, LA Galaxy. The Zlatan road trip continues. And obviously they just came off the loss to the Houston Dynamo. Uh, that LA Galaxy defense, again, highest paid defense in the league, uh, they need to get better. And you know what? Going up against an, a really tough FC Dallas team, uh, it's not going to be easy for them. It's not going to be easy for them and Zlatan. Zlatan's going to make things happen because he's Zlatan. He's that good. But you know what? FC Dallas has got to be you know licking their chops to go at that Galaxy defense. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Columbus Crew Chicago Fire. This is uh, this is always uh, an interesting matchup. The last time they played, the Crew outplayed the Fire, but the Fire got the result. Now now they're going to be in Columbus. The Crew are coming off a win. Uh, they have to be feeling pretty good, trying to build some momentum. Um, and in the Eastern Conference, you got to start racking up the points because uh, you know what? There's going to be at least I think at least one, maybe two teams that have de- pretty good point totals that are going to miss the playoffs. And if you're if you're Columbus, you need to stop giving away points. This is a game you need, uh, but we'll see. The fire and definitely not a, a not not a pushover there. New England TFC, New England definitely tough at home. We know this. TFC stumbling a bit post Concacaf Champions League. Uh, they're better. They should be playing better than they have been. Uh, we'll see if they can rebound and if they can get that result on that ugly turf in Gillette. They need that result. They need to. They need to stop bleeding. They need to start climbing out of the hole that they dug for themselves in the East standings, and it. And it, they needed to start against New England. Uh, up next, Colorado hosting the Red Bulls. Red Bulls. Are they going to have that that classic letdown game, where you have your big result against your rival at home, and then you go on the road against a team you're supposed to beat? This is a trademark MLS trap game, and. Even with that, like I can't bring myself to pick the Rapids just because I have not seen anything from the Rapids to lead me to, to believe that they can beat a good team at full strength. I just can't see it. So I'm still going to go with the Red, Bull, Red Bulls, although if it ends up being an upset, I've already explained why, because it's such an it would be such an MLS thing. We've seen teams have letdowns before after big games. RSL DC United, Nick Raimondo looking for his next milestone uh, with a, with another victory. Going up against his former team, DC United, uh, DC in the Wayne Rooney holding pattern right now. Um, they're just not a good team these days. And and I know RSL hasn't necessarily like torn it up either, but RSL at home, I think you got to give the edge to RSL there. Portland, Seattle, we've discussed. I like Portland. I think you have to go with Portland. Even though Dempsey in Seattle, Dempsey against Portland has always been a handful. He's had his goals against Portland in Portland, but I'm gonna go with the Timbers there. I just think you know the fact that Seattle had to do the midweek game. Um, I think that's gonna affect them, and I think Portland's gonna get the W there. And I'm pretty sure Zach Valentin's gonna score a goal because SBI show. Uh, Orlando City, Atlanta United, that Southeast Derby. I don't know if you call it a derby. It's not like you can. <laughs> it's not like it's a short drive from Atlanta to Orlando, but there's definitely going to be a rivalry developing there just because it's the South. These are the two teams from the South that are in the league. And you know what? They're two of the hottest teams. I know Orlando, I know Atlanta just lost, but before that, they, they were just on fire. They were the hottest team in the league. Orlando's got a run of wins as well. Um, so this should be a, this should be a fun one. How Atlanta deals with the absence of Brad Guzan is going to be interesting because uh, the rookie Paul Christensen got thrown in. 
he, you know what? He's obviously an unproven player. Uh, if you're Orlando City, you have to be, you know, licking your chops, being able to go against a rookie goalkeeper like that. So we'll see if that's a difference maker in that one. But you want to watch that. You're going to want to watch that one. And then the last match of the weekend, LAFC against NYCFC. And I got to tell you, folks, the Derby is the Derby, right? Timbers, Sounders, always fun, always, always a headliner. But LAFC, NYCFC, that is going to be that fireworks, folks, fireworks. Because look, LAFC, they're at home. They've they've really shown themselves to to, to have that crowd support uh, in that beautiful new stadium. Uh, they're obviously a good team, very good team. But NYCFC coming off that embarrassing loss to the Red Bulls, you know the week of training has been a tough one for them. You know they want to bounce back. They want to send a message. They're not. A, they're a pretty good road team as well. So I think that's going to shape up to be the best match of the weekend. No offense to the Cascadia Derby. I just think LAFC versus NYCFC, even though the whole cross-country flight thing, NYCFC, uh, you know, they're going to have jet lag, whatever. I, I tell you what, that is going to be, they're going to be fireworks there. And I tell you what, folks, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, we've covered so much, to, uh, so much. I mean, I mean, we, there's still things we obviously are going to miss out on. Uh, Jeff Cameron in Stoke City relegated. Alex Bono linked to Club Bruges. Interesting one there. Ethan Horvath on apparently on the way out, and obviously the writing was all the, on the wall there after he's lost a job in the fall and just fell out of favor there. Uh, I want to see where Ethan Horvath ends up next. You know, we, we're, we're talking about a player who before last fall was looking like a really good prospect for the future in terms of American goalkeepers, and uh, you know what? I, I think he needs to change the scenery. I think the, I think the move there just didn't really work out for him, so we'll see if he uh we'll see where he goes next and obviously i don't know about alex bono being the being the guy to go i don't know if, if it's time for him to move yet even though alex bono let's face it has been unbelievable this year for tfc um so he's definitely good enough but you know is it time yet for him to leave is are they is tfc ready to let him move on uh, so we'll see. That's going to be an interesting one. And Jeff Jeff Cameron, forgettable year for him, and obviously forgettable year for Stoke. What's next for him? Will he go down to the championship with Stoke? Will he tra- will he move somewhere within the Premier League for next year? Will he consider moving back to MLS? Obviously, there's ten money floated uh, floating around. Uh, there's definitely teams who could use him as a defender. Uh, I in the past I've heard talk about him uh, playing in LA, but you know what, LA's the LA Galaxies are—they've already spent. They're already spending a ton of money on defenders, so I don't know if they can afford them. LAFC already has their center back, so they're set there. Uh, if you're looking at teams that could use a Jeff Cameron, I tell you what, DC United makes perfect sense. Uh, I know they're too busy being linked to every forward on the planet, but they could use a center back. They could use a Jeff Cameron to play next to a Steve Birnbaum. So we'll see there. We'll see if where Cameron goes or if he stays in England. Uh, a little bit longer, but th- that's pretty much it. We've covered all the topics, uh, and definitely apologies if I sounded sick at times. I was definitely sick this week. Um, I finally started kind of getting through it the, la- the last day or so, but yeah, I'm sure you, may, you probably heard that through the show. And also apologies if the audio has not been top-notch. Uh, I had to record part of the show, a good part of the show, while on the road. Uh, I, I'm away with the family for a bit, but I had to finish off the show. Uh, and make sure I got it out to you guys so uh, it's not grade A studio quality, 
uh, <laughs> maybe next week I'll tell you where I've, I'm actually recording right now as we speak, but uh, it's definitely not in a studio and it's not in the SBI compound in uh, in lovely North Bergen, New Jersey. Not this time. But uh, that, that's pretty much it. Uh, great show, great episode. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, definitely thank you to Zarek Valentin. Thank you for Doug, uh, to Doug McIntyre for coming on. They were both great. And uh, we'll see who we can get on next week. If you have any suggestions, let, let me know. Uh, and, and definitely, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes. And if you haven't given one, given one before, try to give, give us a rating. Uh, you know, give us a review. Feel free to rip the show. Feel free to tell me how much you love the show. Feel free to tell me how, how you hate the music, how you love the music, whatever you want to do. Just give me some feedback. Feel free. And also, you can always tweet at me at Soccer by Ivis. So that's all for now. That's all for this week's episode. Uh, thank you for listening. I'm Ivis Filarset. This is the SBI Show.